Hey, welcome back. I am your host, Jeffrey Way, and today we're talking about the CSS compromise. So I've been writing quite a bit of CSS in the last handful of days, and, and I've been trying it a little differently than I've done it in the past. So think about it. Way back in the day, maybe in uh, 2005, if you remember, the, the beauty of CSS, or at least what people advertised as the beauty of CSS, was that you could change the presentation of a website without ever touching the HTML. And there were websites and galleries dedicated to showing you all of the different ways that you could style a website, again, not touching an ounce of HTML. This was the beauty of it. And like a sponge, we all just soaked it in, right? We all adopted that philosophy. And, and really, in theory, it sounds great. Oh, yeah, I can edit this, and then miraculously everything changes, and I never had to touch my markup. How cool is that? But now that it's been maybe a decade since then, maybe more, what is it that we ended up finding? Um, well, I think what we found was that, yes, for, for those small little demo websites that are just one page, um, yeah, you can change your CSS and everything works great. But for any actual significant project, it never quite turned out that way, didn't it? Or it turned out in one of two ways. So one, it turned out that for any design change, you're constantly editing the HTML. Very rarely are you just changing little small things. In reality, this should go here. You're adding this new section. This is going to be pushed off to the side. It virtually mandates that you change your HTML. So the entire argument that, yeah, we have a new design here, and all we're going to do is edit CSS, and we're not going to touch a lick of the HTML to do that, it's just false. It does not work in real life. So that's one possibility. Uh, the second possibility is, yes, you can make it work, but the, the cost, the, the toll you're going to pay is that your CSS will become unbearable. It's going to become this monstrosity of thousands and thousands of lines of code that you can't possibly take in. It's badly in need of rewriting, but you're kind of stuck with it. So those are your two possibilities. And I think most people fall into bracket one, where, yeah, you're, you're constantly editing the HTML. So now we can see that in real life, our CSS and our HTML are, for all intents and purposes, linked. And then if you think of something like Vue.js or React, they kind of adopt this similar idea where you have a component that is comprised. Is it composed or comprised? I never know. A component that is comprised, I don't know, <laughs> a component that is comprised of your CSS, your template, or your HTML, and then the JavaScript that, that adds the behavior you want. So all three of those together form a single component. And again, what we're finding is that they're all linked. So yeah, in the past, we were, I think, too obsessed with this idea of separation of concerns with this. And once again, we just heard that term and we had to apply it everywhere without actually thinking, well, should these concerns be separate or are these concerns linked? So we just said, no, the CSS has to be here. It can never interfere with the HTML. And the JavaScript has to be way over here. And once again, it can never interfere with the HTML. Or in other words, as they would say, if you have to edit your HTML or your template to change the presentation or the behavior, 
you're fundamentally doing it wrong. But now, yeah, what I would say and what lots of people are starting to realize at this point is that, no, you're not wrong. You're simply realizing that these three are linked. And, and think about JavaScript. What did we find when we started using Angular or Vue and when we started kind of merging the template with the behavior? And by that, I mean doing things like um, right on a button, adding the attribute click, at symbol click equals method, right? This is something that in the past was incredibly frowned upon, and you would have been called a terrible developer. But now, what did we find? When we got away from our ideas of separation of concerns, and we just tried it out, we realized that it's significantly easier, and it turns the amount of JavaScript you have to write into a fraction of what you might have had before. So yes, we're starting to realize that all three of these things are linked. Now, back to the CSS, uh, one thing that I've been trying uh, with this new project, uh, it's something I've known about for a while, but you know, I, I haven't had any new project to really try it out on. But anyways, I, I find that I'm using far more classes in my HTML than I was before. Before, I might apply a single class or an ID, and then I would set the font weight to bold, and I'd set the line height, and I'd set the margin and the padding. And that seems fine until you realize that you're doing that over and over. And then, despite your best efforts, you end up in situations where you're reproducing the same styling or the same bit of margin over and over. So what you really want is just uh, maybe a standard margin bottom that you apply in some cases. Like, in this case, the margin bottom should be 50 pixels, right? But you never made that pixel value explicit. Instead, just, you know, wherever, wherever you needed margin, you added margin bottom 50 pixels over and over. Or maybe you end up in a situation where you actually did margin bottom 53 pixels in one location, and things start getting inconsistent, once again, despite your best efforts to dry up your CSS. So instead, what if you had dedicated utility classes? So for example, if you do want to apply some margin bottom, you don't add an ID to the element exclusively to edit your CSS file and add margin bottom equals whatever. Instead, you create a utility class, and you can name this however you want. You could name it uh, period has margin bottom one, right? Or some people make it really, really compact where they will say uh, MB1, and that means margin bottom one or, or level one. It doesn't have to be one pixel or one M. It could be your level one margin bottom, your level two margin bottom, your level three. Now, I find that I, I kind of like to be a little longer rather than the abbreviated forms, but I think the abbreviated form is more popular. But yeah, I'll have like has margin bottom one uh, separated by dashes. Or if a particular section requires zero padding, then once again, I have a utility class that I can apply once again where it makes sense. Because have, have you ever been in this situation where the element's fine, you don't have any class on it at all, but it does need to, to have its padding zeroed out. Or maybe the text needs to be an uppercase, right? Doesn't it suck where you find yourself adding an ID or adding a class to an element exclusively to add these random stylings? Uh, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it grows and grows. Every time you have to do that, your style sheet grows. And then after two years, once again, it's thousands and thousands of lines of code. You've repeated yourself everywhere. It just gets very tough. But instead, what if you had a utility class called in uppercase, in-uppercase? 
Well, now, anytime I have a heading that needs to be in uppercase, all I have to do is add this in uppercase class, and I'm good to go. And further, it's going to be consistent wherever I go. So what if a box needs a, a particular shadow? And this is another one where maybe this box has a shadow, but this other area of your website, you have another shadow. And you didn't think to extract it, so you're reproducing it. But over here, you used this color shadow and this uh, blur pixel value. But over there, you forgot what you did earlier, so the color is a little different, and the pixel value is a little different there. Once again, maybe you have a class name called has-shadow, and there you can be explicit about how a box shadow should appear. So yeah, that's what I'm trying out right now. Uh, I, and I think everyone who does this, the, the thing to understand is it's, it's not a rule you have to follow every time. So yes, if we have a class called is-bold, well, does that mean you have a utility class for every possible styling? Uh, no, you probably don't want to do that. I find that I saved this specifically for the times where I would need to add an ID to the element just to add one thing, right? Like, oh, I just want some padding right on this element. And I'm not supposed to add a style attribute to the tag to add it, so I better add a class, and then I find a place to create the selector, and then I add padding right 1M in my style sheet. Yeah, it's like, it's so much work. So in those situations, once again, I would use some kind of padding utility class. Or here's, here's another one, maybe that's a little more familiar. Uh, you have buttons, right? And at some areas of your website, the button should be like your primary color. So the background should be primary. But in another area, it should have maybe a dangerous color, like red, right? Well, that's another example, and this probably makes perfect sense, but it's still the exact same thing. So you could have a class called button, and then you add another class to it called uh, is. I like using this convention of is dash or has dash. So has no margins or has centered text. I kind of like that convention. But anyways, yeah, with the button, you have one class for button. That is your main button component that has the basic styling for how buttons should appear. But then you add another class to it called is primary, and that will set the background color to your site color. You have another one called is error or is danger, and that'll have a red color. You'll have another one that might be is-info, and that'll have like a gray color. This is the exact same thing. You're adding these classes primarily to affect its background color. So we're just taking that a step further and adding utility classes to affect margin or to affect padding. Or I have a class called is-flex, and that will set display flex. So yeah, what I think you'll find is, yes, you're going to have more classes. And yes, you're going to have a decade of history, if you've been doing this a long time, to make you feel like you're doing something wrong. But you know what? Just see it through. Try it out. Don't take it to the extreme. If you find that an element needs 10 different utility classes, well, no, you don't want to do that. That's a good indication that, yeah, you do need your own class here. Okay, I'm Jeffrey Way. Head over to Laracast.com if you'd like to learn more about code and cool stuff and PHP and Laravel. Uh, I will see you later. Bye.